Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter uh, 2, um, so that we can see that what we're, we're looking at is coming out of, of this passage. Something happened uh, across Ireland, uh, the whole island, on the 22nd of March 2020, for the first time in probably over a thousand years, or, or maybe even much more than that. What happened for the first time? Almost no one attended a church service. On the outbreak of a completely unknown uh, pandemic, public gatherings across the island ceased and it was bizarre. Streets were empty. There was a silence about. Uh, and preaching was online. And that was just weird in the extreme. And we gathered after our services on Zoom to try and approximate some sort of togetherness and it was a poor 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 substitute wasn't it and we loved it when we began to gather together again even if it was outside there in the car park sitting in our cars freezing um, it was good to see each other but it was still a poor poor substitute for the reality of, of gathering together and then then we gathered together and we were that far spaced out that you know it didn't really feel like we were together but here we are, and things are returning to a sort of um, regular pattern again. And it's a good moment for us, and especially for us as a church, as it would seem that God is, is opening a new step and a new stage in our, in our history of maybe looking now for a building of our own. It's good for us to consider and to reconsider what the church is. What is the church? A few weeks ago from the... The book of Philippians we saw, we were looking at those verses, that a Christian is a citizen of a colony that is an outpost of heaven. We belong there, but we live here. And we have great privileges in belonging to God's kingdom. And the church is to be God's colony or God's community on earth so that people can look and see, wow, Right. I don't know all that the guy at the front's saying. I don't get all of that yet, but I like what I see here. I like the way these people care for each other. There's a connectedness and a togetherness in a church that is attractive. It's to be an outpost of heaven on earth. And it's actually to be more than that. Paul, in chapter 3 of Ephesians, just over the page, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 10, says that what God is doing with us bunch of people and in every other church of his people is he's preaching a sermon. In Ephesians 3.10, Paul writes, God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. In other words, God is teaching the angels something wonderful about him as they look at us. One old writer put it this way. He said, it's far more amazing, far, far more admirable. God's wisdom is seen much in a much greater way in this gathering than in the whole of creation. I think, what? Than in the planets and the stars and the sun and the moon and the waterfalls, the sunsets. And he says this, he says, because... He made the planets and the stars out of nothingness. He makes the, 
the sunsets and the waterfalls out of nothing as he just spoke them into being. But what did he do? He's gathered us from things that are completely contrary to him. Guilty people and sinful people and people that are rebels against him who were going our way and doing our thing. And he has brought us there. People who are more naturally opposed to each other. And he brings us together in his church. Now that's, that's impressive. That's astonishing. And uh, this guy, Tony Merida, writes in his book, he says, if you are part of the church, then you are part of a cosmic sermon being preached to the spiritual rulers and authorities. Wow. Does that not sharpen up your focus on, on, on what you're doing as you gather today? And we need that focus sharpened because we live in a world that thinks, yeah, church, meh. You know, what would you go to church for? We live in a world that scorns the church, thinks that it's irrelevant. We live in a consumer society where there's a trip advisor mentality, uh, where people rate and review and compare everything, churches included. And so it's good for us to recalibrate our thinking and bring it into line with God's Word and say, what is it we are about? Why should this matter? Why should you be part of Christ's church? And so we're coming to this series called Love Your Church. It's based on, on this book uh, by Tony Merida. Um, and uh, Johnny and I are both, uh, have both read it. And uh, there's uh, eight chapters in it. We're going to take one of those chapters and its topic and we're going to explore it each of the following Lord's Days. And to remind us of the privilege that it is to belong to Jesus Christ. And to give everybody here a glimpse, whether they're a Christian or not, of what it is to be a Christian and to be part of the church as God sees it, not as tradition and culture have made it. And as I said, each week we'll take one topic and then we'll explore it further in the Bible study uh, on a Wednesday night. So let me encourage you to come along to the Bible study. And so this morning, our first great privilege that we're looking at is belonging. Belonging. We were made to belong. And that's part of why the pandemic was so hard on people. People were isolated and people weren't able to connect and we are wired to belong. Uh, we like to find our own people. Eva has started Queens this last couple of weeks and she was saying on Friday night that, uh, you know, it's great to meet somebody else from, from Ireland. They're, they're her people. Because you don't have to explain T.Y. You don't have to explain Leaving Cert. You don't have to explain why you did uh, seven or eight subjects at Leaving Cert when they only did three or four in their A-levels. They're your people. And you, you know that when you go other places and you meet your people. It could be in the things you do, in, in sporting activities, or in craft activities, or in farming, or in a particular uh, type of sheep uh, that you raise. We've that sense of belonging. We're, we're wired for that, but why? It's because we're made in the image of a God who is relational. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. He exists, as it were, in a community, and we are made in His image. So we are, have a deep, deep longing to belong, to connect, 
And that's what Ephesians 2 is about. It's all about that deep longing to belong and where we are wired to find its deepest fulfillment. Its deepest fulfillment is found in God and in what God's doing. And the church is about belonging to what God is doing. Two things I want us to see this morning. First of all, we need to belong to Jesus. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, we get to belong to Jesus' church. We need to belong to Jesus, and we get to belong to Jesus' church. And that's the order of those things in the passage. We don't belong. Jesus does something. We do belong. Uh, Sometimes people like to take things out of order and say, well, you know, I'm going to try and belong to the church without belonging to Jesus. And you can certainly attend the church, but you can't belong to what's happening unless we belong to Jesus. And so we need to belong to Jesus. That's the starting point. And that's the first thing I want us to see. We need to belong to Jesus. And why does Paul tell us that? Well, again, there's two big points this morning. We need to belong to Jesus and we get to belong to his church. But then in the first point, there's two things for us to see. First is we don't belong. We don't belong. Uh, Paul has already described our personal position before God in the beginning of chapter 2. We're dead in our transgressions and sins, we're disobedient, and we're doomed. And that's fairly bleak. Um, And now in verses 11 to 12, he repaints the picture in community terms. A whole body of people are not belonging. A whole body of people are not connected. A whole body of people are without hope and without God in the world. God had set up things in the Old Testament to paint a picture. First of all, everybody was sent out of God's presence. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, they were sent out. Everybody was excluded, but God doesn't leave them there. He goes after them and he rescues and he starts to bring mankind back to him and he starts then to work with Abraham and he brings Abraham and Abraham's family in, and they grow into a nation that becomes the Jewish nation and he says to them, you are a people who belong to me and I want you to, you know, your sin needs paid for so you're going to need to have sacrifices and I want you to live in a, in a particular way, follow my laws because you belong to me, because I've rescued you from being outcast and a lostness. I've rescued you and brought you in. So you're to live different. And the, the whole point of Israel was that they were to be a, like a city set on a hill, like a light to the nations that people go, yeah, that's what I want. I want to know God and I want to be part of God's kingdom. And they failed to do that. And so we've got the nations are still on the outside looking in. Or not even looking in at all. Looking in opposite directions. Not one bit interested in God. And that's what Paul's telling them here. He says, you guys were without. Look at, look at all the withouts we have here. He says, verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. They were without a rescuer. They had no rescuer. They needed a rescuer. This is what the word Christ means. It's the Messiah, the the one that was appointed by God to be the rescuer. And they had no rescuer. 
They had no way to be forgiven from their sins, and that's true of us. This is why we don't belong. We need a saviour. And Paul goes on to say they were excluded from citizenship in Israel. And you might say, big deal. And the Gentiles might have said, big deal. But citizenship in Israel wasn't a political thing. It was a spiritual thing to be a picture of belonging to God. And they didn't belong. They didn't belong to God. And if we don't belong to God, then we face a lostness that goes on forever and ever and ever. And that's true of us. As we are born into this world, we are without a rescuer and we are without belonging. And then he goes on to say, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. We, we don't have the promises of God being our God that were made. We are, and he goes on to say, without hope. Because we don't have promises. Promises give hope. And for you and me, Whenever we were born into this world without God, we didn't have hope. Before you were a Christian, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you had no guarantee that life would be better. You were without hope. What a bleak place to be at. And Paul finishes it off. He says, without hope and without God in the world. We didn't belong. He, he nails it from every angle. We didn't have a rescuer. We didn't belong to the people of God. We didn't have promises. We didn't have hope. We didn't have God. And the picture almost is of a person. And there they are. You see them and they're, they're clinging on to a piece of driftwood in the sea. And the camera pans out. And you see the vastness of the entire Pacific Ocean. And they're, they're lost. They, they, they don't belong Anywhere, they're not connected to anything. There's a lostness about them, and it's a tragedy. That's what they were, and that's what we are. We don't belong. They had nothing, and we had nothing, and we were nobodies. Born outsiders, without a saviour, without hope, without forgiveness, without God. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've that deep sense of not belonging, of not having an answer that deals with your guilt, not having a hope that looks beyond this life. Well, stay with me. Because the second thing we see is that through Jesus we can belong. This is what he says next, isn't it? Do you see? He says, But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Wonderful! You can be brought near. What an astonishing truth. Something startling has happened to the people at Ephesus. They've been brought near. They were outcasts. They had no hope. But now they've been brought near. And we're not going to take time to unpack all that he says in these next verses. But what he's going to say is that Jesus did it all. Jesus kept every single law that needed to be kept. And Jesus paid for every single guilt every single sin of yours and mine that needed to be paid for so that you could be brought near. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, we're told. And because of him, we can belong. We can come into God's presence because our guilt has been paid for. And Paul describes what Jesus has done here, and he uses wonderful words. He says in verse 18 that we have access we have access 
to the Father. Access. The, the Jewish people didn't even have access to God. There was, their temple was designed by God to say you can't come in. There was the Holy of Holies and no human being was allowed in it except once a year when the high priest went, but nobody else was allowed in. And now Paul says you've got access. You, who were once an outcast, are now brought in. What a, an amazing thing. And more than that, he says in verse 16, that we are reconciled to God. All of the things that put God against us are dealt with. And we have peace with God. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and you who were near. Jesus has come and made it possible for you and I to belong, to belong to God and to belong to a humanity that is no longer fractured. He says here, he speaks about a dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile being torn down and the two becoming one. And all of the fracturedness and brokenness between people. God saying, I can deal with that. I can deal with that brokenness. Come to Jesus and the separation between you and God will be put right. And the separation between you and others will be put right. So you see, here's this astonishing solution. We were made to belong and we didn't belong and Jesus makes it possible for us to belong. Our universal problem means that we all need to come to Jesus for the answer. We need to belong to him. And if we belong to him, we have peace with God. We have access to God. We have forgiveness from God. We have hope from God. It's all there for us. And how does it happen? Well, it starts by acknowledging the problem that I'm a sinner, that that description of me in the first three verses of the chapter and then verses 11 and 12, that's me. And I'm alienated from God and there's no peace between God and me. Say, God, I'm guilty of that. And I need you to bring me near. Will you bring me near through Jesus? Will he pay for my wrong? And will he make it possible for me to have access to you? And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. That there is a way, and this is the way, for you to belong to God. It's not through our performance. It's through what Jesus Christ has done. What God has done. What he has performed. We need to belong to Jesus. We don't belong, but we can belong. That brings us to our second point. We get to belong to Jesus' church. We get to belong to Jesus' church. Do you see there's an order in this? As he writes, he says, we were all guilty and we were all outcasts. Jesus came and makes it possible to be brought in. And now in verses 19 to 22, he tells us what we belong to. And it's, again, there's two things to see here. There's the privilege of belonging. The privilege of belonging. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Wow. 
consequence. Because Jesus has done this for you, then this has happened. This is the inevitable consequence of asking Jesus to be your Savior and rescue. You're not just joined to God. You're brought into His... Well, there's three images used here. And they're impressive, aren't they? He says, you're citizens of God's kingdom. You're citizens of God's kingdom. The days of not belonging are over. You know, citizenship was a massive thing in the ancient world. Paul was a Roman citizen. And that meant that he had privileges and he had protection and he had resources that he could call on as a Roman citizen. And Paul says to these people, you have a greater citizenship. You're citizens of a grander kingdom. You belong to God's kingdom. That's what the church is. It's God's kingdom. He's saying to them, you belong, you have a place, you have a home. And as Roman citizens were exempt from certain kinds of punishment, they, they were exempt from crucifixion, God's people are exempt from all punishment. As Roman citizens were able to call on the resources of Rome to come to their aid and their defense, so the Christian gets to call on the resources of God to come to his aid and defense. He is a citizen of God's kingdom. That's what this is. The church is God's kingdom because Paul is not simply talking about some unseen reality that once you become a Christian, you're part of something great and glorious and vast that you can't see. You're part of something great and glorious and vast that you can't see, but that's not all. It finds its expression here as God's people gather together. And the church is what he's telling these Ephesians about. That's what they know they're part of in Ephesus. They're part of the church of God there. He says they are members of God's family. That's the next great picture. Perhaps one of my favorite images of the church. Not simply a kingdom, but a family. I come from a, a reasonably big family circle and we love getting together as a family and enjoying each other's company. But not everybody's experience is like that. But here Paul tells us that the person who's put their trust in Jesus has been brought into a far greater family than any human family. They've been adopted as God's children. They've been brought into all the delights of having a perfect father who cares, who loves, and who's passionate about his kids. And they're part of a family that brings a unity that the world can't. And I, haven't you seen that? Seen God bringing together in his church people from different backgrounds, people whose backgrounds would put them opposed to each other. We see that. We see that in, in Ireland where people from a Protestant background and people from a Catholic background, they're in God's family and there's a unity and a closeness and togetherness. The, the cultural barriers, well, they've, they've disappeared because there is a new togetherness. We see it in different parts of the world, uh, Muslim and Christian, Muslim and Jew, in, uh, who've turned and come to Christ in the same congregation, embracing each other because they're members of God's family. 
And Paul has another picture here. He says, you're God's dwelling place. Here's the privilege. You see, this group of people here, we're citizens of a kingdom. We have a king who rules over this church. We are members of a family who care for each other and have a father in heaven. But we are God's dwelling place as well. We read here that we are being built together on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ as the, the chief cornerstone. And we are being built together into a temple in which God dwells by His Spirit. God dwells here. What a precious place it is to know that this is a place that God says, I delight to be here. That's what he says in Psalm 130. I delight to gather with my people and to make myself known. I, I enjoy being here. Isn't it lovely when somebody comes to our home and we're talking, and we're maybe saying, well, you know, I, didn't, I don't have all the stuff. I would love to make you a nice meal. And, and we're in the midst of this and the house isn't tidy. And say, look, 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 forget it. I just like being here. That's what God says. To his people. I delight being amongst my people. And so, you see, this is why, this is the, the privilege that we are to grasp about church. Church is not a, a meeting. Church is not a meeting you attend, but it's a body that you belong to. And that's our colossal privilege. And it should fill us with delight and amazement. And we need to constantly remind ourselves, that if you're a Christian... You belong to a, a wider body. And it's a great privilege. The privilege of belonging. But do you see, all these images assume something. They assume that Christians, God's people, will be together. You can't belong to the community if you don't belong to Christ. We need that first point. You've got to belong to Christ. But if you belong to Christ, you can't not belong to His community. You can't not be a part of it. And so as we finish this morning, I want to see the responsibility of belonging. The responsibility of belonging. Privilege always brings responsibility. For some here this morning, the, the, the point of action will be from that first point. You will say to yourself, well, I've heard all that's been said, and what I need to do is I need to belong to Christ. For others, they'll hear the second point, and they'll say, well, I need to recalibrate my understanding of what a privilege it is to be part of a local expression of the kingdom of God and the family of God and the dwelling of God. I need to recalibrate my sense of privilege in that. Because responsibility, our privilege always brings responsibility. And we want to think about, just in closing, two components of our responsibility. The responsibility to actually belong. Actually belonging. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Sarah came into membership in the church. A couple of months before that, Eva came into membership in the church. What's that about? Somebody might say, do I really need to join a church? Why not just turn up 
it's true that there are many things that you can enjoy just by coming along. Do I need to join? The answer is yes. Christ has given us his church with leaders, with elders, with pastors, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ for our good. And we belong together. And this word consequently here tells us that when we come to Christ, we are automatically part of something else. And we need to be part of it, not just simply casually attending. Um, we, we want to look to be part of Christ's church under the leadership of the leaders that Christ has given. Christ has designed his church for the care and protection of his people. That's what the church is for. Um, church is family. Church is not a restaurant. In a restaurant you go in and uh, you order stuff and you have no great connection with the waiter or the waitresses or the chef or the other diners. You go in, you eat, you get up and you go out. Um, that's not church. That's not church. Church is family. In the family kitchen, at least in theory, it should be like this. Uh, everybody's helping put the food on the table. Everybody's eating together and chatting together. And everybody's helping clear up afterwards. That's the way it should be in theory, isn't it? Church is family. Uh, and Jesus has designed his church not to be like a chip shop, but to be a family kitchen. And he has put in place his leaders to, to take care for his sheep. He has put in place everything that's needed for the care and protection and flourishing of his people. He's done that to help his people know they belong. So he has appointed leaders to admit people on Christ's behalf into membership of the church. That's what we did the last couple of weeks. To administer the sign of welcome into Christ's family. That's baptism. To administer the family meal. That's the Lord's Supper. Jesus said to, to his leaders, you, you, do, you do that. I'm not there. You do that for me. He has appointed his leaders to feed and to lead his people where they are. Our king isn't physically present, but he has given under-shepherds to lead and to guide and to guard. And one day, the elders, Johnny and myself and Robert, will have to answer to the king of the church for how we have led his citizens. We will have to answer to our older brother for how we have led our brothers and sisters. See, when someone comes into membership, the elders in the church are now accountable to God for the spiritual care for that person. It obligates us to look after you for Christ's sake. It's a privilege that Christ cares so much that he sets his church up this way. And not simply to lead and to feed, but also to protect his people and his honor. Many people claim to be Christians and behave in ways which bring great hurt to you or bring dishonor to Christ. What mechanism is there to deal with this? Well, Jesus gave his apostles authority and his leaders authority to, to say and to protect his sheep by saying to some, no, you're not living as a Christian. 
You may not call yourself a Christian. What you have done is wrong to this brother and sister. You need, you need to go to them and you need to apologize and repent. Now, if a church doesn't have members, what authority do leaders have to say to anybody, you're in the wrong and you need to apologize. You've hurt this person here. Do you see? Christ has set things up so that there is care and protection and accountability. That's why it's important for people to actually belong to a church. Every Christian should be aiming to belong to a local church, not simply to attend. Every Christian should be aiming to belong. Now, I am well aware that we have people here who are regular attenders and, and some who are new uh, attenders and who are not in full membership of the congregation here. And this is maybe a completely new thought for you, but I want you to think about it seriously. And come and, and ask questions of Johnny and myself and Robert and Colin. And if it's a new thought to you, I want you to consider the, the privilege and priority of being under the care of Christ's church. I want you to encourage to think uh, it through and to look at coming into membership. And those of us who are members, I want you to consider that the privilege it is, and we'll, we'll come just in a, in a minute uh, to an application for us. For those who, who aren't members and who are attending Maybe you've got questions. Come and ask those questions. Maybe you've got doctrinal issues that you're not sure about. Come and ask those questions. But belonging to Christ's church is a much clearer principle than many of the doctrinal issues that would hold somebody back from joining. And so I want you to consider actually belonging. And secondly, actively belonging. This applies to those who are in membership, actively belonging. The New Testament envisages that church members look out for each other, pray for each other, support each other, bear one another's burdens. We do all of that. It's the family kitchen, not a takeaway. Um, and so it's about actively belonging. It's about being at things. It's about praying for each other. It's about supporting for each other. It's about volunteering for roles. It's about taking on responsibility. In this place, we get to serve Christ by serving each other. We get to serve Christ by serving and caring for His people. That's what active belonging is. Serving Christ by serving and caring for his blood-bought people. That's our responsibility and our privilege. Let me finish just by saying, what should this tell us to do? It should cause us, if we don't yet belong to Christ, to come and seek to belong to Christ. It should cause us to delight in the church. It should cause us to long to belong to a local church and it should encourage us to serve the church this is what belonging is amen let us stand if we're able as we come to god in prayer
Father in heaven, church is no small thing because Christ purchased it with His blood. Christ regards it not simply as His city or His family or the place where He dwells, but He also calls it His bride. And He also calls it His body. And He gave Himself to redeem a people of His very own. That's us, Lord. So help us to love the place, the people that Christ gave Himself for. Help us to seek the good of the people that Christ has given Himself for. And Father, this morning we pray that You would recalibrate our thought and our perspective on the church, that we would not see it as meetings to attend or a place to go, but we would see it as the dwelling of God on earth with His people, the family of God, the, the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and that we would delight in being amongst each other. Father, we pray for those that we know and love who are as yet not belonging. And Lord, we pray that you would work in their lives and draw them and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ, that even as they, as they see us going to church and see the sense of belonging that we have, that something would echo in their hearts and they would say, you know, I, I want that. I want that. And I want to belong not simply to church, but I want to belong to Jesus Christ. I want Him to be my Savior. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.